We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. Ireland, the great and powerful Oz, knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Jason Burmes. This is Reality Rants over at redvoicemedia.com. Redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Redvoicemedia.com slash Jason for the second hour. And we got a jam-packed show for you. I'm going to put through, you know, a lot of you through some torture. Everybody knows I love a good watch along, especially when it has to do with Joe Biden and him not being able to speak because he doesn't really know where he is most of the time at all. And I got to give it to him. Um, I kind of jumped around just to see about how much time Joe Biden stood up there. Down in New York City, where he's ignoring the crime, ignoring the tent cities, Amtrak Joe, okay, he spoke for a solid almost 20 minutes, maybe a little bit less, but the way he, you know, he loves to run out there, let everybody know how spry he is, and uh, Chucky Schumer introduces him, and it's all about sustainability, sustainability, sustainability on this new program uh, of getting you, I mean, he tells you, getting you out of cars, first of all, a car in New York City is a damn nightmare. Is a damn nightmare. However, you know, if you're trying to get in and out, I mean, a car might not be the worst thing depending on where you're going, if you're going in and out. Now, a lot of people will tell you, you want to, if you're going there for an extended period of time, if you're new to New York City, and let's say you've got a, a sporting event or something planned. It might be a good idea to go down to Kingston or Poughkeepsie or Newburgh or any of these places. You can catch a train and then get down there. Maybe, maybe. But, but the subway system is insane. It's not fun. It's It's not awesome. And crime is through the roof. And if you don't think that you're you're not going to see wild shit in the subway system, you haven't been in New York City. 
or at least at the right time. Because, I mean, you you could see it all right there, everything. But anyway, we got this Amtrak Joe, you know, because I love watching him say, I ain't kidding. I ain't kidding with you, man. Yeah, <laughs> Over and over, barely knows where he is. And if you think I'm exaggerating that he barely knows where he is, uh, the, the first story I want to start with, okay, we're going to hit these stories. We're going to, we're going to circle back as Jen Psaki used to say on behalf of the Biden administration to the watch along to Amtrak Joe, uh, to the 10 cities. I mean, people are paying 2000, $3,000 a month for basically a glorified cubicle with a kitchen in New York city to live amongst insanity, in my opinion. So <laughs> Joe Biden uh, walks up to this report. We're going to play the clip, grabs her by the hand. She's asking about the mandates and the emergency and the restrictions. And Joe Biden tells her that we've extended it to May just to make sure everything is all locked up and good to go. And don't worry, the Supreme Court will. Now, before I play the clip, and, we'll, and don't worry, we'll, we'll play it a couple times, three times, four times, um, because it shows how of absurd of a situation we are in, where we are being gaslit as a public, all right, that that guy runs anything or knows what's going on at all. Now, let me say this. The Supreme Court now has had the opportunity to see an abundance of cases that have challenged executive orders, mandates on a federal level, okay, uh, on numerous things. I, I'm going to keep it pretty broad. We're on YouTube right now. You got the idea. I haven't seen them look into any of these cases whatsoever. So, so I, I get it. Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. He said everything was over at a car show. And Karine uh, Jean-Pierre on daytime TV says, listen, we, we don't hold the president accountable for what he says when there are a bunch of pretty cars around. That's not what we do. Dirt. Dirt to dirt. He, uh, listen, and he's signing off on this emergency as long as everybody tells him. And we just keep telling him, hey, it's up to the Supreme Court, Joe. So. So here it is. Again, it, it's such a sad situation. Uh, but Joe Biden uh, being asked, uh, a, you know, a straightforward question and giving an absurd and ludicrous answer. What's behind the decision to end the COVID emergency, Mr. President? What is that? What's behind your decision to end the COVID emergency? COVID emergency will end when the Supreme Court ends it. We've extended to May the 15th to make sure we get everything done. All right. So a lot of, we're, we're gonna we're gonna boost it right up to almost double that. Okay. Now, first of all, I, I don't even know what this journalist is saying other than implying that she she's from what I'm hearing, she's saying, what is behind your decision to end the COVID emergency? And Joe, to my knowledge, other than the fact that he was at that car show and obviously was looking at pretty cars and mistakenly said that, there's nothing on the books for that. But let's hear it again. 
Joe, uh, passing the buck to the Supreme Court on this one because he has no idea what's going on. So, so let's just start. He, he can't even. He says "movid." Uh, I'll bring it back. Can't even pronounce the word correctly. Yeah, the movid emergency. The movid emergency. Mo mo movid. When the Supreme Court ends it. To make sure we get everything done. We've extended it to May 15th. Again, the guy grabs her hand. He's got his hand on her. He's under the... It's cartoon level. We're at cartoon level. No doubt about it. That's where we are. So, again, we're going to come back. We're going to do the Amtrak watch along. I've got other stories I want to hit. And I'm actually going to play a piece um, that I did. Geez, it's got to be four and a half uh, years ago now over at We Are Change regarding uh, Hollywood uh, director and uh, fun boy, James Gunn. I, I shouldn't call him a fun boy because, you know, I... I don't know that I want to make this really clear. I don't know that James Gunn is guilty of anything other than making some really, really poor jokes and having associations with some really, really terrible people. Okay. Um, but we've been talking about this, uh, Zachary Levi thing and, uh, Zachary Levi simply tweeted something that seems pretty obvious, pretty basic out there. He said, you know, I hardcore agree with the fact that a, a, a multi-billion dollar corporation that has lobbyists and lost in court is a danger to society and lost in court for doing some pretty bad things to a lot of people. You know, so Gunn said this and, and you know what, Gunn, you know, he, he gives the political answer. And for those that don't know, Gunn is the director of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy films. There, there was a, a quick backlash via the kind of information that I'm going to play in this next video. Uh, again, that I did four and a half years ago now, uh, back in the We Are Change days. And uh, Gunn addressed the backlash during the DC presentation of the new projects. When a reporter asked, uh, Zach Levi, a couple of days ago, tweeted something about, I don't, I don't even want to say the word, got some people upset, don't know if you have a comment on that. Gunn responded. Actors, filmmakers I work with are going to say things uh, that I, I agree with and that I don't agree with. That's going to happen. I don't have a list of things that somebody should say because of what I think. I can't be changing my plans all the time because an actor says something that I don't agree with. Uh, by the same token, if someone is doing something uh, morally reprehensible, that's a different story. We have to take that stuff into account. It's a balance. It's a modern world. It's a different place. Okay. And that's why we're revisiting the story. Because he's praising Ezra Miller and they are saying that The Flash is one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. To me, it's super hypocritical for him to come out and uh, say 
that if you're doing something morally reprehensible, then it's another story. This guy is enthralled in all sorts of scandal that involve allegations of the abuse of children. Okay? Male and female. By the way, 40 likes. Can we get 100 likes over on the YouTube? And can we get the comments, not just in the live stream, but in the comments section as well? Help the algorithm, help the show grow. Okay? And we're about to play this piece. So, you know, if you're going to throw that caveat in there, first of all, not such a strong stance on on Zach Levi. He should have he should have basically said, "Look, the guy has his free speech. We might agree, we might not." That that could have been the end of it. Much more diplomatic, you know, acting like this. But then says, "Well, if there's something morally reprehensible, well, you're sitting here praising this other film, okay, and that guy." He's got criminal charges up against him. Uh, like I said, the allegations extend to what I would call morally reprehensible behavior. And that's why uh, in this next segment, what I want to do is I want to play a piece again four and a half years ago, James Gunn, uh, what nobody else will tell you about the James Gunn c- controversy. And, uh, you know, again, I've been doing this for a while, guys. And uh, I think this was a a pretty good report. So uh, let's check it out. Hey everybody, Jason Burmis here for wearechange.org. And boy, do things move quickly in 2018. And of course I am referring to the firing of director James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after he directed one and two, which were huge blockbusters, ones that I actually enjoyed thoroughly, by the way, over tweets disturbing tweets from around a decade ago involving pedophilia and rape. Renowned director James Gunn has been fired from the upcoming movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 after old tweets reemerged in which Gunn makes inappropriate statements regarding pedophilia and child sexual abuse. Now, we're going to go far beyond what the mainstream media is telling you about this story. But first, I want to remind everybody that we are solely sponsored by you guys. Without you guys, wearechange.org is not possible. So if you like reports like this one, please consider going to wearechange.org slash donate and making that small donation. It's what keeps us around, guys. So thank you so much for your support. Without you, it's just not possible. So how did this all begin? Well, journalist Mike Cernovich, who has a rather large following on Twitter, took to that platform uh, live yesterday and started showing some of Gunn's tweets from the past decade or so. So let's just go ahead and look at what James Gunn is saying. Um, James Gunn is talking openly about, um, well, I mean, you can you can read these for yourself. James Gunn retweets Peter Alton. I like it when blank, blank. And then he talks about being touched, um, sick stuff. And many of these are so disturbing uh, that we will not read them here. Um, In another tweet, he says he should have invited you into his movie, and he talks about castrating a little boy. These tweets are all real, by the way. We should take them into context. And I am not by any means defending the content of these tweets, as I don't think it's funny to joke about things like NAMBLA and child rape. However, we have to understand that James Gunn 
comes from a film culture of trauma. And if you're not familiar with trauma, it's about as anti-establishment, anti-Hollywood as it gets and has a very, very, very odd sense of humor. The schlock slash shock value of these films is undeniable. Now, Gunn actually got his start doing a film called Tromeo and Juliet, produced by Lloyd Kaufman. Now, Kaufman was so influential in his career that he actually gets a cameo in the film Guardians of the Galaxy in the prison scene. Now, you're the latest member of the Troma family. What is it that drew you to the work that Lloyd and, and uh, the group at Troma have been doing? Um, I have been, uh, Lloyd was my hero, you know, and uh, I had been a fan of Troma films for many, many years. Now, somebody pointed me to this tweet between him and Kaufman where they're joking about Nambla. A much more mild one read, for example, I remember my first North American man-boy love association meeting. It was the first time I felt okay being who I am. Some of those guys are still my BFFs. And again, I want to point out that I do not think that there is anything funny about these jokes. Now below that, you'll see a picture of Lloyd Kaufman with the infamous Tony Podesta. Now there are plenty of allegations about Tony Podesta ever since the Hillary Clinton emails leaked, and he was part of the spirit cooking email with Marina Abramovich. But let's not forget, he was never charged with anything in those emails. And to this day, he still has not been indicted in this new Mueller probe. However, he does seem to have shady dealings with the Ukraine through the Podesta group, which he is, of course, a founder. Now, it just came to light this week that he has been offered immunity, even though he still hasn't been indicted for anything. The Podesta Group, we reported, worked with Paul Manafort to lobby on behalf of Ukrainian interests in the United States without properly registering at the time under the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which is called FARA. Manafort got in big trouble for that. He's now being held in solitary confinement. He's looking at a life sentence behind bars. And Tony Podesta, whatever happened to him? Well, tonight we can report exclusively based on two separate sources we spoke to today that Tony Podesta has been offered immunity by Robert Mueller to testify against Paul Manafort. In other words, for a near identical crime, Bill and Hillary's friend could skate and emerge completely unscathed while Paul Manafort may rot in jail. So this is extremely troubling. However, I actually do have some connections in the film industry and especially in the trauma world. So after seeing this story and after seeing this post, I contacted my source and I asked them if there was any chance that Lloyd Kaufman could be involved in something that he shouldn't. Now this person assured me 100% that Lloyd Kaufman is not a pedophile, does not endorse pedophilia, and the reason that he was sitting with Tony Podesta was through his connections to the art world of which Lloyd Kaufman and his wife are heavily involved. And if you know anything about Tony Podesta and his wife, they are also heavily involved in the art world. Now, many people are pointing out that this mob justice came from the right wing, citing Mike Cernovich and Jack Posbiak. And some on the left have even called them white supremacists. But what they're leaving out is that the Twitter account of a film I highly respect called An Open Secret, which outs 
Hollywood pedophiles, was instrumental in helping take down Gunn as well. However, this does not fit their narrative, and they can't call an open secret white supremacists like they have Cernovich and Posbiak. And I'd also like to point out the hypocrisy of the left-wingers who immediately went after Roseanne Barr getting her show canceled for what could have been or may have been a racist tweet. Of course, she denies it was racist. I thought the bitch was white! God damn it! I thought the bitch was white! Patton Oswalt, another comedian who I highly respect and enjoy, has actually come out with jokes about being a pedophile. And I just like to say that this is not the way to handle this, Mr. Oswald, and that you have to understand why people are upset instead of declaring that you are a proud pedo yourself. Now, in closing, I'd like to point out that James Gunn lost his job from tweets of over a decade ago showing once again that everything you do on the internet is forever. It's archived. It's out there. Someone will find it. There is no erasing your past. But the other thing that is extremely concerning to me is people like Brian Singer, who are featured in an open secret and outed as Hollywood pedophiles, still have their jobs. So on one hand, we're getting people fired for making comments, using words, and displaying disturbing behavior. Gunn deleted his Twitter account and republished it with a statement that read in part, quote, for the record, when I made these shocking jokes, I wasn't living them out. I know this is a weird statement to make and seems obvious, but still, here I am saying it. Yet, we have not taken action against those who have actually abused children. As always, if you like this video, please hit that like, So there you go. You know, there, I, there's other, I, I believe I did a follow-up to that where I show Gunn in a priest outfit joking around about breaking in his daughter. It goes beyond Twitter. I want to put that out there. Uh, on top of that, I also want to put out there that uh, this is Houston Huddleston. This is his buddy. Um, and he pled guilty to CP possession right there. Uh, they, obviously, uh, you know, this is one of those threads that they, they put out. I mean, look, something to look at because that guy was fired at first. Then he's given his job back. Now he's the head of DC's what entire division on superheroes and guardians. Of the galaxy three is about to come out. Yeah. Four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago. By the way, what did you guys think in the comments? Do you, do you want more uh, produced content like that? Because something like that will take me like four or five hours, maybe even a day with research. Um, that's why you don't see that kind of stuff. And honestly, it doesn't, it, you know, wasn't getting more, any more views than the, the uh, type of broadcast we do now. So, you know, something important, something uh, I, I thought I'd share with everybody. Uh, definitely relevant. Okay, I want to go down the line here, uh, hit some more stories before we get back to uh, Zombie J and the gang. Good old Joe. Uh, but once again, you know that guy is 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 boosting it up. Yeah, he says one thing about Levi, right? Zachary Levi. That again, commonplace. Zach Levi, 
Spot on, buddy. Spot on. Hardcore. But then you defend this. This better be the best movie of all time. One of the greatest superhero movies ever made. I've heard that hype before. It's going to take a lot these days because there's so many of them. All right. Let's go down the line. Tech Giants Bloodbath continues. PayPal is the latest to slash 2,000 jobs, about 7% of its workforce, as Amazon, Google, and Microsoft are among those who laid off thousands, thousands. And uh, it's funny. I mean, it's not funny. They're calling this the rich session. And I was uh, going through my Facebook feed, and uh, one of the guys who's a buddy of mine, he was talking about so many people being laid off, like literally thousands of people being laid off in a Zoom call. I mean, think about that for a second. You're being laid off in a Zoom call amongst thousands of other people in a what I would assume um, is Google-based. At least that is um, what my buddy used to do. And what do I mean Google-based? What did my buddy used to do? They'll do voice recognition software. So the way that they're able to automate when you talk into it and have the, the Google Assistant and the Siri and all that is they actually have human beings that listen to a variety of people speaking and then they type that out, right? And then the computer associates an algorithm. Well, the people that were getting fired, it really didn't have anything to do with their performance, okay? Had to do with the fact that um, minimum wages were going up in two of these states and they were going up to 12 and $13 an hour. So it's time to get rid of those people. I, I would assume similar things are happening, especially when you, when you uh, cut a lot of the fat via remote work. You saw who, who does work and who doesn't work. You know, got, got, got rid of a lot of that. You're getting ready to automate even more of it. The rich session as they call it. And I, I just want to make it clear, like we, we did the story yesterday that there are people making six figures living paycheck to paycheck. And that's that's not like hy hyperbole. Seriously. That That's not hyperbole. That That's a reality right now because prices on everything are shooting through the roof on purpose because they want you priced out. They want you on the dole. They want you on a system of subservience. The rich session. Get ready for more of it on, on all of those fronts and even more. Even more. And get ready to, to hear the propaganda that goes along with it. Propaganda like we heard yesterday via Trudeau and his government talking about, oh, you know, it's unprecedented inflation. Because of the, the global pandemic. No, it's because of the reaction to that. Purposeful. You know, manufactured scarcity. When we talk about supply chain lines, who did that? Who really, really, really did that? Come on. Come on now. Let's get with it. Get with the program. So uh, this is one that kind of hits home. Uh, for those that don't know, yes, I am a beauty school dropout, but I am also uh, a proud um, SUNY guy. That's the State University of New York college system, okay? 
And when I read this, I'm just like, I want to, I want to puke in my mouth. Uh, I'm sick of all the social engineering. If I'm going to a university, okay, I want to learn a skill. I want to learn the basics in education. And by the way, even 20 plus years ago now, when I was in college, a lot of this was already starting to be antiquated. And what do I mean by that? Uh, I mean that the vast majority of people that were going out into the world should have been doing like a two-year trade school or a two-year business school. Like everybody wants to make fun, want to make fun of those like DeVry University and business school. compared to what you're really doing at college for four years and all the, the fluffer courses, if you will. And I had fun. Listen, there was a religious studies course where I got to go to a Catskill Buddhist temple over the summer, really, really neat teacher, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, interesting, but I don't know if it was groundbreaking or I needed to learn it. In fact, you know, when I think of diversity uh, in, in a real sense, not this, again, social engineering, brainwashing, diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice clause, what? Oh my God, I want to puke. I think all the way back to when I was in ninth grade, little skipper, little guy, you know, just, just, just starting to sow those teenage, you know, um, the teenage angst is coming. I'm, I'm growing up, right? And I'm seeing the world as a bigger place than just what's around me, than just New York State or upstate New York, which were, were very, very different. You know, growing up much closer to the city and going to New York City, that's kind of a unique experience in general as you grow up and, and you go other places and even to other cities because there's just nothing like New York. Um, that's that's one thing, right? But but the big diversity chain, you know, it's not even that because when you go there, really the only, the, there's just so much chaos and madness that it's not like when you had global studies. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing all these different cultures and languages and religions. I'm, I'm seeing a real diversity. And th that expanded my mind. And to me, I, I think that that is a positive thing because that also builds empathy and understanding among other human beings. And you're like, wow, that's the type of diversity that I'm for. Like culturally studying, studying history and different uh, geographic locations. But when we're talking about this, straight brainwashing. I mean, guys, I still, you know, enjoy going back on alumni weekend and seeing members of my fraternity that maybe I see once a year, once every couple of years, talk to, you know, people that I love that I consider family. And, you know, it's a generational thing. And now the, the kids that are going to be joining this will be forced into what? SUNY will require all new students to take diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice courses to graduated starting in the fall of 2023. I, I mean, what what is going on here? I, that, that That's brainwashing. Social justice. Ooh. We're breaking down barriers. We're breaking down norms. And SUNY, it's not just like the college I went to. It's a slew of universities, right? State University of New York, Buffalo, Oneana, 
Oswego, Brockport. I mean, there's a lot of these people. And I feel like the way they get away with it, and this is why New York State to me has just become poison, okay, is that you're you're in a state that you have taken charge of politically, you have under control. When I say you, I'm talking about the collectivist, globalist ideal set. I think it goes well beyond democratic, just Democrat stuff, right? Way, 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 way beyond that. Yeah, the Democrats are corrupt. But that's not really what we're talking about. We are talking about Chucky e. Schumer and Amtrak Joe. And again, that watch along is coming. Get ready for the pain. Get ready for the pain. Joe doesn't know. And again, they're telling you they don't want you to drive cars. We got to get you out of the car and into the train. Out of the car and into the train. Into the slave. Um. So you've taken a hold of that area in large part. That's a big thing. So the vast majority of kids that go to SUNY schools are New York State because they're getting a discount. That's why they exist. So, so you almost have an extension of high school. So many of these people have really no desire to move on from the area. Don't get me wrong. I know plenty of SUNY guys that ended up going jumping state, some some going across the country, working other places. But the vast majority of the people that I know that came from Long Island went back to Long Island. That came from Queens, went back to Queens, et cetera. So, so you have this kind of circular system where that's just the culture. That's just the culture. And it is nuts. That, that, you know, because that's not what, you know, I used to, my, my stepfather used to say things like, you know, they don't they don't teach science any different at Harvard than they do at SUNY Oneonta, Jason. Now, number one, I'd argue they do. But number two, uh, I would also say that when you go to an Ivy League school, you're really, it's all about the connections, right? And I think that's also the importance of um, me being in said fraternity is that you you do make connections that end up possibly being lifelong. And those connections do matter. Okay. The, the saying, it's not what you know, but who you know, I'd say, yeah, it might be a little bit of what you know, but who you know is going to help you get so much farther. You know, building bridges rather than burn, burning them is the way to go. So uh, DeSantis, on the other side, says he will defund diversity and inclusion efforts at colleges across the state because they are a drain on resources and hostile to academic freedom. Correct. And and I'm not trying to be, you know, go Ronnie, go. I'm not, I'm not a DeSantis pusher. But again, when somebody does something that is correct and that we need to acknowledge, I'm going to acknowledge it. <laughs> I mean, right here. Uh, he's right. Uh, and it's tough for me, man, because listen, I'm, I'm going to say some controversial things here. And, and maybe people are going to like it. Maybe people aren't. I feel like overall, at least in my generation, the education system in New York, for the most part, was vastly superior to what kids were getting in Florida. When kids would move up from Florida in particular, 
I would find that they were extremely behind. All right. And it was just like kind of this culture of coasting. Now, I don't know if that's the case anymore. But now I feel like we're in an inverted reality that when you're starting to get to the higher levels of academia, you'd rather be at Florida State University than anywhere in New York and their state university system. It seems that way. It seems that way. Um, you, you know, he should push for a ban on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Because all of it is really about what? Sustainability. And when it's about sustainability, it's about your standard of living plummeting. That's what all of this is. It's like, let's create wedges. Let's create tension. Let's create conflict. Let's have a bunch of people fighting amongst themselves over nothing, over, over the color of their skin. Ridiculous. I mean, I can't, it, it boggles my mind in 2023 how that could even be a thing, how it could even be a thing. But then I see, you know, weasels, literal gangsters, by the way, like Al Sharpton getting this kind of press. Al Sharpton channels Martin Luther King's mountaintop speech as he stands with Nichols' parents at vigil before funeral where thousands are due, including Vice President Kamala Harris. And, and I, I, I can't play this stuff. And I don't, I, I'm, I'll say it again. What happened to that dude is gross. It's awful. But was it racist? Nope. Nope. You give people power, all right, especially with out accountability and without the proper training, sometimes even with the proper training, and you're going to get results like that. Nothing to do with race, everything to do with the situation those people were put in. And from what I understand, two of those four officers were in a fast track program. All right, where they didn't have to meet certain requirements before they became uh, those type of officers. Again, The Shield, go watch The Shield. By the way, The Shield, those guys are white. Just wanna say that. Uh, in this case, that and that's fictional. In this case, reality, we have to face it. These guys were black. But Al Sharpton can't wait to jump on these situations. Neither, I, I, the media is now just doubled, tripled down that this is systemic racism that happened to that guy. Not a police brutality issue, not a training issue, not a defund the police issue. It's a, again, that Mehdi Hassan guy, after going off on it, said, well, look, they defunded. That unit should have never existed. <laughs> you know, plain clothes, unmarked, nearly unaccountable units are rife for corruption. And, and, and I'll say it again. The response by the department of charging these guys with the crimes they obviously committed on camera or, you know, allegedly committed on camera. We haven't gotten convictions yet, but that to me are very obvious is the right move. The right move. But nope, here he is. Cowboy hat, cocaine slinging Al Sharpton. You think I'm kidding. All right. He's jumping in. In fact, we do it live. Uh, and that Valuetainment show, it's had that one 
uh, mafia boss that somehow survived while everybody else was killed, uh, like everybody around them. And he talked about how Sharpton was the bag man. He was like the he was literally a mafia guy. All right. And he, he got caught. Sharpton confronted. I think it's about FBI video. Let's see. Yeah, he, of course. Yeah, he's a, he is an FBI informant. A hundred percent. OK, it being an FBI snitch. And, and I mean, when you when you let's see if we can find the out, outfit. Let me, let, let's go to images. There it is. There he is right there. There he is in his little cowboy hat making cocaine deals. That's the guy. There he is. <laughs> He's the guy who's going to lecture me. Right? I mean, you can't make this shit up. Let, let, let's see if we can jump to, let's see if this goes to a video. Please do. The, the smoking gun website is reporting that the Reverend Al Sharpton, AKA President Obama's number one cheerleader, that he worked as an FBI informant spying on New York mob figures back in the 1980s. Now the report, which was featured on the cover of today's New York Post, said Sharpton secretly recorded conversations that he had with the mob. Earlier today, he responded to those allegations during a press conference. Take a look. I was not and am not a rat because I wasn't with the rats. I was never told I was an informant with a number. So in my uh, in, in my own mind, I was not an informant. I no, I was a gangster. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the funniest thing. He'll sit up there and act like he didn't work with the FBI when he did work with the FBI because he got caught by the FBI. One nation under blackmail. I'm re phenomenal so far, by the way, guys. I I, I encourage you. Uh, I'm I'm doubling down on the Whitney Webb stuff every night before I go to bed. I'm at least reading some pages. Awesome book so far. This is how they get you. I mean, think about it. He's up there, like basically bragging that he's hanging out with mobsters and criminals and cutting all sorts of illegal deals. And then he's saying, "I'm not a rat. I was never with the rats." I was cooperating with investigations. Now, tonight, we also have gotten our hands on an HBO sports video of an undercover FBI agent acting as a drug trafficker negotiating a cocaine deal with none other than Al Sharpton himself. Take a look at this. I can get a Oh, we're going to do it more than 350,000. <laughs> Look at that ridiculous hat. Again, you know, we, you know, we started the week with Lori Lightfoot dancing around. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, this is why this is the cartoon villainy we live under. These are the people that get elevated. Think of the scandals we just talked about. Just, just so people like this could be elevated. My God. I, that's it. That's enough for my Sharpton. We do it live.
We do it live. So, yeah, and HBO Sports, that's the thing. None of that was news. Even when Sean Hannity put that up, and it's got to be, God, this looks like, yeah, this put up eight years ago, right? That's from, like, 20-plus years ago. That came out, I want to say, just, like, post-Tawana Brawley scandal, that when HBO Sports did that. And they confronted Sharpton with the video. He walked out of the interview. I can explain that. Can you? Can you? You know, it comes up every every once in a while. I've never forgotten it. Look at that outfit. <laughs> Look at that outfit. All right, I'm going to stop. So, um, story I want to hit before we go uh, full zombie J and we do the uh, the watch along Amtrak Joe is this ended up in my uh, in my feed and I didn't know anything about it. You notice I have this highlighted Dawn for V. I want to see if this was real and it is real. So I have a video of this cafe that we're going to look at that. Uh, basically you have these para quadriplegic people controlling avatar robots in a uh, coffee house interacting with customers. And I'm kind of torn here because look, I can't imagine being in the situation where I can't move. And I can, the human interaction is just so important no matter what. And I feel like this is kind of technology that in many ways could empower that person. But then I think of the other ideals that it's getting ready to push upon other people. And this idea to get out of your own body and control an avatar um, you know, basically being uh, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, but without further ado, uh, you know, there's some creepy music that goes along with it. There usually is with these things. Uh, let's go to the Avatar Robot Cafe. Wow. Here's the thing, like you notice that they slip this in too. It's like, yeah, you've got the quadriplegics, but then you've got the mentally disabled. And encouraging them to use avatars is again that slippery slope where they're getting you to disengage uh, from your humanity. So you notice if you're reading this, and yeah, this is kind of video bound for those just listening. And remember, you can listen to the entire second hour free over uh, at um, podbean.com. Just look for the Info Warrior. We stream it every day. Um, we will be releasing yet another free hour, just like we do every day over at redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. You just keep scrolling down. Uh, but again, for $10 a month, you, you can do it live with us. So they're also talking about not only these physical injuries, but as you age as well. So now mental illness, aging, these type of things are, you know, avenues to get you to disengage from human beings and, you know, basically 
uh, use these robot avatars. それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それを、それ
I don't talk about the border because I get it. I get why you might want to leave another country and give it a go here, especially if you've bought into uh, infotainment, Hollywood culture, you watch Bruce Willis movies, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not joking. Like if you've been immersed in our entertainment system, you you think it's just the, the best thing since breakfast, right? You, you have no idea. And in a lot of cases, it is going to be better than other countries. There are going to be more opportunities here. Um, maybe more freedom because you have more outwardly oppressive governments. Unfortunately, right now, you know, people used to to, to ask me uh, pre-COVID-1984 nightmare when I would talk about a lot of this stuff. And Well, where do you go, Jason? Where do you go? And I used to go, this is global. There's nowhere to run. And I don't think anything illustrated that more than COVID-1984. US, Europe, South America, who escaped? Who who escaped? And on some level, globalism took hold, period. There was no escape. So uh, we got some zombie J for you. We're, we're going to do it, but you might, on the, uh, on the free side, you might only, you guys might only get Chucky Schumer. Okay, I mean, when I when I see him go, Joe Biden, I, I can't help but play him too. So you know, here's the big staged event, and you know we're gonna build the train under the the Hudson. Yeah, over a quarter of a billion dollar project. I got to tell you, folks, I, I'm gonna imagine it's gonna be well over a billion before it's done. Okay. <laughs> and there's Cory Booker. I mean, one of the most disingenuous, nightmarish politicians out there. I was actually surprised they didn't elevate him more within this administration. Oh, it's Chuck. Chucky. There's some establishment trash, huh? There he is. There's the guy that wants Hello, to oppress you. Everybody. What a great day. What a great afternoon. And it is so great to be here to celebrate a major milestone in the most consequential infrastructure project in all of America, Gateway. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I talk about the cartoon level of Lori Lightfoot, of Joe Biden, but but here's a guy that that's still got it together, right? Chuck Schumer, to me, not showing any signs of dementia. Same cutthroat establishment mouthpiece uh you know for the agenda that that's been there for many a year period you look at this and it's how disingenuous can you be here you you go you got the setup you got a bunch of transit workers in the back i mean look at the guy behind my head the guy with his hands like right here he's like well i guess it's better than work <laughs> And then the other guy over to Chuck Schumer with his hands on his hips, like, yeah, well, I, I guess it's better than showing up to work. Come on, give me a break. All right, back back to Chucky Schumer. Now, as many of you know, for a long time now, this project has been my passion. Oh, yeah. It's a labor of love. And after many false starts and obstacles placed in our way, Gateway is full speed ahead. 
He can shake that fist, can't he, old Chucky? With today's new dollars, Gateway's future is assured. Finally, 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 we can say Gateway will be built. So, hooray, hooray, hooray. Here comes Gateway. I want to thank. I mean, again, New York City in my lifetime. Like, I, I, I'll i never forget. You know, my brother's in the chat. I, I He probably still remembers this. One of my first memories of uh, New York City uh, was going to the Statue of Liberty with my dad. And I remember being on the pier beforehand. And this is this is back in the day with every, you know, vendor out there selling bootleg T-shirts and bootleg everything. And there were really guys that had jackets with fake watches all in them to sell. Okay, And I remember this crazy guy just came up and just started talking to my dad. And, you know, my dad was just kind of trying to ignore him. You know, you as a kid, you get that bad vibe. And he's talking about these vendors. And somehow, even though this vendor realizes this guy is crazy, hands him one of the watches because he, he insists he wants to see the watch and blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, dude takes the watch, slams it on the ground, and gets into karate stance. Come on, mother. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> crazy town. Crazy town. Always an element of crazy in New York. No doubt about it. Last time I was with my brother in New York City. <laughs> yep. I mean, we're we're walking probably with a couple hundred people. <laughs> you know, right around Madison Square Garden, heart of Manhattan, legal walkway. Dude walks up to us with half of his fronts gone. Starts talking to my brother like he knew him and like he was part of the fire department. <laughs> Always going to be an element of crazy in New York City. Right now, post-COVID-1984, from what I am not only seeing in the media, but hearing from my friends that I keep in touch with, that live in Long Island, that work in the city, off the chain over the top probably makes the 80s that i just talked about just not even in comparison and you got chucky shoe we did it gateway yay <laughs> just wow all right i'm gonna bring people over to the final hour i'm gonna cue it over to the producers to uh start making that transition i want to thank everybody who is supporting me who comes over and uh does the redvoicemedia.com redvoicemedia.com slash jason uh redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored get the first week for a buck otherwise it's ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars for the year lock it in uh the other links down below are great ways to support me but red voice is the future we're doing it 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday, you know, kicking it out with big interviews. I thought Jeremy McKenzie was really fun yesterday. I want to do more of those interviews, and I want you guys to come along as well. So let's uh, one by one leave this, and then we're going to go. You didn't even get to see Zombie J, right? 
and you even get to see Zombie J. You will on the other side. Don't worry. He com- he comes running out after Chuck Schumer introduced Joe Biden. <laughs> so Rockfin, uh, I'll I'll rock it out with you later. Later on, Rockfin. Um, by Twitter, Rumble. We'll see ya. And uh, YouTube, Arriva Durchi. Remember, thumbs it up, subscribe and share, and make a comment outside of the live chat. It helps the algorithm uh, tell people about the show. And again, thank you guys uh, for riding it out in a platform that, you know, heavily suppresses me. (sighs) Okay, let's see. Do we got our, yep, we are good to go. Love it, love it, love it. What's that right there? Oh, that's a different, uh, what's that? Oh, we got a, you know what? We got a a little bit of a a chat from the live stream here. I should have said it in the non-paid area, but I did not see that we had that. Because, you know, this thing doesn't rumble enough either. But then again, I'm in the middle of it. Got a couple. Hemp Carr uh, said, is the Dennis Bushnell video of him by the fireplace uh, taking the older lady still on the net? I really need to project the last Reawaken America tour speech you gave on some public building walls. If you sell your documentaries on a burned disc, I'd pay a generous price for it. Excellent, mind-blowing work. So this actually, gentlemen, I think got uh, to me. Wow, he sent quite a few. Um, He sent me another $20 one uh, the other day. Um, I actually, so I, I zipped up a bunch of my presentation guys, cause I think it is important. Uh, thanks for answering my question. Dr. King Jr. Said that's, uh, let's see, uh, something offered us a way out of this nightmare when he was nominated for the Nobel peace prize. He was working on the truth and reconciliation. Most of his like MLK and RFK died on the occupation of DC and they were working on, uh, that would end the war and nationalize certain industry like Alaska has. So I want to thank, uh, who is that again? Hemp Car. And I believe his name might have been uh, James in the uh, the DMs. All right, let's get back to Chucky Schumer and Gateway. Yay, Gateway. Governor Hochul, Governor Murphy, Bob Menendez, Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Mayor Adams, Se- Secretary Buttigieg, Deputy Secretary Polly worked for me for many years, um, for all their help on this project. Now, why is this project so important? Because the rail tunnels under the Hudson River are an essential artery that moves countless people and goods along the entire eastern seaboard. If that artery gets back up, then the heart of our national economy would cease to pump. America would go into a recession overnight. Millions of people would lose their jobs. The George Washington Bridge, Holland and Lincoln Tunnels would be jammed with traffic 24-7. Pollution would increase exponentially. Pollution would increase exponentially. That And, and that's really the excuse that they're going to use, but it's not really pollution because they've made everything carbon. And essentially, that's what we're seeing here. We're, we're getting ready for the next level of cutting you out of your freedom to move. And they want you in these city systems. Now, all too often, we as a society fail to look far enough ahead to plan for the worst case scenario in advance and avoid it, take really, taking real steps to prevent it. But in this case, thankfully, we are looking ahead. We are acting and Gateway is finally coming down the tracks. Gateway is now, my finally late father, coming who passed away a year ago, 
taught me a lot of lessons that still stick with me. He's right here, right now. And the most important was this. If you know what you're doing is right, and if you persist and persist and persist, then you will succeed. So we have persisted, and now we are succeeding. When I started talking about Gateway more than a decade ago, there were a lot of people who refused to see the light. We all remember Governor Christie abruptly pulling the plug on the first iteration of Gateway, one of the worst decisions that any governor on either side of the Hudson has made. We had to start all over again. I worked hard to stand up the Gateway Development Corporation, and we got the states of New York and New Jersey to each agree to contribute 25% of the cost of the project in exchange for the federal government contributing 50%. Thank you, Governors Hochul and Governor Murphy. And by the way, if this were maglev trains, okay, number number one, that, that would be real. Okay, that, that could change things. If it was not just the Hudson, that would be real. If it was an extension. But you notice this gateway thing is still going to utilize older technology. So are they really utilizing the technology that could be uh, used to empower us? Or are they still keeping it at a baseline because they plan to enslave us? And that's the problem I see here, right? I'm not for mass train. You know, I'm not against mass transit infrastructure helps people. I've, I've said it again and again and again and again and again. I would be so behind, so behind a national maglev train system. That, I think that's an infrastructure that empowers us. But again, that would allow for a massive amounts of travel outside of the airline industry. And then that would also empower us to move different places that were, what, more outside of these cities? It, it just period. So, you know, you live 45 minutes, an hour out of the city center, but you're able to commute an hour, half an hour to this train station and then work another, you know, what would have been another 90 minute commute, two hour commute. And you get there in 15 minutes. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. It allows you to, to, to live outside of not only cities, but suburbs and in more rural areas. And they don't want a widespread independent populace, period. We painstakingly negotiated the technical principles of a financing agreement where federal loans to the states would count as a local share of funding. Once again, we finally had the pieces back in place. And once again, a Republican bully tried to wreak havoc. As soon as Donald Trump took office, he set about sabotaging Gateway by halting all administrative approvals on completely bogus grounds. He said he wouldn't even negotiate on Gateway until there was money to build his wall. He shut down the government for weeks. You know, again, for all of Trump's uh, faults, the guy tried to secure the border like no other president that I saw. And what happens? You have institutions that again are su supposed to be set up to do what the president says all right and, and to secure the border and they just don't prosecute and all of a sudden mass migration is happening 
And all of a sudden we're seeing, you know, these camps for the first time. I don't like ICE, by the way, because I don't like the whole the Homeland Security thing. We had border security before Homeland Security. We don't need ICE. All right. We do need a secure border. And, and again, to, to Trump's credit, the idea that you were going to finance something like this, which is going to have all sorts of pork and all sorts of cronyism, you better believe it. Trump, again, one of these guys that worked in New York City, especially in the real estate and development game, knows how corrupt it is, knows how corrupt it is. A thing I would be in agreement with him on, not Chuck Schumer, not Gateway, we did it. When he invited me into the Oval Office to try and force an agreement to build the wall and then maybe Gateway, I had a few choice Brooklyn words for him. I'll bet you did. No effing way, Mr. President. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't make any progress during those years. We worked hard in the delegation, New Jersey and New York, to secure tens of billions of dollars in appropriations for various federal spending accounts that Gateway could use once President Trump was gone. But what I couldn't have anticipated then. I mean, again, they're, they're sitting there. He's bragging. He's like, don't worry. Behind the scenes, we were pushing forward without the president. And then when we fortified the election, we're ready to go. We've got a zombie puppet. Why are you going to jog right out? Tell you all about it. Is that the best? Is that the person who would replace Trump would happen to be the best possible person anywhere to move Gateway forward? Mr. Amtrak himself, Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, again, the person to replace Donald Trump himself is Mr. Amtrak himself, Joe Biden. Cartoon level. Cartoon level. A man, a president, who is more interested in tearing down walls that separate us than he is in building them. Who, thanks to his deft negotiation and deep relationships on Capitol Hill, was able to transform the cruel illusion of Trump's so-called infrastructure week after week after week into an infrastructure decade that will be funded by the amazing $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure investment and jobs act that we passed into law that biden himself in you know i don't know whether it was dementia ridden or non-dementia ridden i i lean towards non-dementia ridden moment said was a climate bill has nothing to do with infrastructure at all at all and Again, we have to sit here and play pretend, according to Chuck Schumer, the, the reason all this is getting done is because Biden's a man of the people and he's built relationships on the inside. Biden doesn't run anything. He's not Amtrak Joe. What is this? Oh, no, Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> and we're going to build this infrastructure decade where our union folks with tens of thousands of new good paying union jobs, all unions, all good paying. We love you. As majority leader, I made sure that the bipartisan infrastructure law included formulas and allocations that will provide ample funding for gateway and many, many, many other good projects across New York, 
New Jersey, and across the country. And one of these programs that we got funded is the MEGA program, which is providing the $292 million grant that we are celebrating today to build the next phase of the box tunnel. And like I said, man, you think a third of a billion dollars? You watch how much this is eventually going to cost and how long it's going to take. They may say they're trying to fast track this thing, the whole nine. You're going to good union paying jobs that will be automated out within the decade. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if we get our way with game. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first and necessary starting point of Gateway. But it also, it's also one of the hardest parts of Gateway because it cuts through solid Manhattan bedrock to form the entry point of the two new underwater rail tunnels that are the centerpiece of the project. Thanks to this historic $292 million investment, led by the president, passed by my Senate and House colleagues, Gateway is finally leaving the station. Now, you can use whatever train metaphor you want. And he will because he's a hack politician that has other young people right for him that wishes they got a gig somewhere inside uh, Hollyweird or the entertainment industry, but instead shows politics. So they'll come up with every hackneyed metaphor or allegory they can in this short speech there, Chucky. Anyone you want, but get on the Joe Biden Express now because we are not stopping. I mean, seriously? I mean, and then they got to cheer. Like, I, 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 mean, I mean, look at the guy, look at the, the smile right here. Look at this guy right here. I mean, look at these two. Come on. Come on. Maybe, maybe they're happy to have a half an hour or an hour off. Yeah, Joe. Woo, Joe. Get on the Joe Biden train. For four years, the former president was shoveling you-know-what. And now we're going to put real shovels in the ground, wielded by real American workers. That's the basic contrast between this presidency and the last. Empty rhetoric versus experienced leadership. I mean, no, the, the big difference between the last president and this one is the last president actually acted or tried to act like a president with all his faults. He could also speak. He was also awake at more than just like a four-hour clip. There, I don't think Joe Biden, again, throughout the presidency, has been awake for eight hours uh, altogether. And if he has, he's nodded off somewhere in there. This guy's not running anything. And here I got to listen to Chuck Schumer shovel all the shit in the world. I mean, it's just, it's un boom. Again, it's, it's that next level of FU America. You know, you thought we were sleazy and dishonest before. Hold my beer. We're going hard. Schoolyard bullying versus building consensus. Personal grievances versus getting things done. And so it is my absolute wonderful, wonderful, great pleasure to welcome to my beloved city, the man who knows infrastructure, public transit better than anybody in America and who is gonna make sure that we get Gateway done the President of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. Imagine having to say that nobody knows infrastructure better than Joe. 
I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it 10,000 more. I wouldn't allow Joe Biden to be a night manager for a four hour shift at a Wendy's. He couldn't handle that. Forget about infrastructure. But watch, here comes Geriatric Joe running out. <laughs> Joe, it's time to go. Hey, up there. Hey, everybody. Hey. Yep. Oh, there he is. They just shot him up with so much amphetamines. There he is. Yeah, feeling good. Legal methamphetamines. Yeah. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Please have a have a seat if you have one. Uh, right out of the gates, stutters. Take a look, guys. Take a look. This is the guy. He's the king of the infrastructure. He's the dude. Well, thank you, Chuck. Thanks for an introduction. Uh, that's worth the trip. Thank you, really. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, by the way, out of breath from walking down the aisle, his stuttering, stammering, out of breath, clearly not well. Clearly not. Clearly not running the country at, at any level at all. Zero. Look, uh, one person in particular pushed relentlessly for the advanced gateway project and improved rail transit in the region. I don't know how many times I've heard from Chuck about this project time and time and time again. He didn't let anything stop him because he knows how incredibly critical it is to people's lives and the strength of the economy of New York and New Jersey, and quite frankly, all across the country. And that's Chuck Schumer. He's relentless. He never gives up. No one has done more to make today a reality and is truly this is Chuck Schumer Day, pal. You got it done. This is Chuck Schumer Day, pal. You better believe it. No, I ain't kidding you. Chuck, you've done a hell of a job. And the big thanks to the rest of the delegation as well. Senator Gillibrand, who's here, the true champion of this state and who uh, always puts New York first. And uh, she makes sure everybody in the military is straightened up, too. But that's a different story. Mayor Adams, thank you for uh, where's Mayor Adams. There you are. Oh, by the way, there's bootlicker. So, the, so there's Mayor Adams. Now, th this is the string right there. Pete Bootlicker, the Buddha judge, is there too. He's Mr. Infrastructure. He's Mr. Transportation. And then they got Cory Booker here too. I mean, this is the grandstand. There's the A team right there. That's it. That's it right there. Getting Hannibal, Face, Mr. T. That's it, baby. Good to see you, pal. Thank you for the passport into the city. I, uh, and Governor Hochul, thank you as well. We got a chance to speak a little bit earlier. And Governor Murphy, has been a great, you've been a great friend a long time. Your leadership has been vital to this project, and uh, and the New Jersey congressional delegation fought like hell to push forward uh, what uh, this all this entails. And I want to thank everybody here. I want to thank Bob Menendez. Where are you, Bob? There you are. Good to see you, Bob. And uh, Cory Booker, two great senators from New Jersey. And I uh, also want to, you know, we try to shut down uh, while others try to shut this down. We made clear, I made clear, this is a national. He can't speak. They got a prompter for him. He's, he, and listen, you might think that like, maybe I'm being a little over top on the amphetamines. Are you listening to how he's talking? 
Now, I know I talk quick. I talk real fast. He's speed talking, dementia style, where he has to repeat himself and correct himself again and again and again. He's not talking at the pace he used to when he was a senator and the vice president at a normal pace. He, he's speeding through it because he's revved up. All right. Look, I mean, his eyes, they, I mean, for the amount of what, whatever they've injected with, they should be wide open. They're barely open. National priority. And I told you that we'd get this done and we did it together. I want to thank Representative Gottheimer as well and the two members of the New Jersey Congress, congressional delegation, Rob Menendez, who's smarter than his dad, and Don Goldman. I know because my son was smarter than I was. So, uh, look, uh, for being here, we got, we got a lot of work to do and we got a lot of work to get together. You're going to pay for that when you get home, right? I mean, he's talking like this. We've got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to get together. Congressional members, and we can't really speak, but I'm talking this quick. And again, we got a lot of work to do. And he's better than my dad. My son's better than me. I mean, jibber jabber. Jibber jabber. Um, but look, uh, and I want to thank everyone from Amtrak. Everyone from Amtrak. You guys, uh, and MTA's up there too. I see that. For uh, this Gateway Development Commission is really important. I thank you for your partnership. Folks, just outside this space, the first piece of the new Hudson Tunnel is being built. It's one of the biggest parts of the Gateway Program. Now, let me say this at the outset. This is just the beginning, just the beginning of finally constructing a 21st century rail system that's long, long overdue in this country. This project is critical to transforming the Northeast Corridor, increasing speeds, capacity, reliability, and safety. In addition to getting folks out of cars and onto trains, we're going to help the environment as well because we're going to, all the studies show, and I've been harping on this since the mid-70s, that every study shows you can get from point A to point B on rail as fast or faster than you can an automobile. You don't take the car. You get in the train. All the studies show if it's faster, you get in a train. Now, I, I don't know. You know, let's look it up. Is this a maglev train project? Let's look it up live. Hudson Tunnel Project. We do it live. All right. So there's the Hudson Tunnel Project right here. And I see Port Authority. I see existing tunnel. I see corridor passenger trains. You know, I, I don't see anything about this being maglev, which would be, uh, you know, an, an actual environmental plus. But once again, th is this about empowering us? Doubtful. Doubtful. And that's how important this project is for up to 200,000 passengers who take Amtrak or New Jersey Transit under the Hudson River every single day. And, you know, it matters a lot, the Northeast Carter from here to Boston, Boston to Washington, all the way down. For years, people talked about fixing this tunnel. But thanks to the leadership of Chuck and the bipartisan infrastructure law, we're finally getting this done. This law is the most significant investment in rail, the most significant investment in rail since we created Amtrak over 50 years ago. And billions, billions are going to projects along the Northeast Carter, including replacing the existing Hudson Tunnel. That's why it's so important. 2,200 trains, 2,200 trains run along the Northeast Carter every single day. Now, you notice he's also repeating things a lot. 
Like every other sentence, he's got a few things to repeat. Now, I know I'm a repeater, and I often do that too, but not as much as this. It's again, he, he's barely up there, folks. Barely knows what's going on. It's the busiest corridor in the United States of America and one of the busiest in the world. And the problem, a problem anywhere along the line means delays up and down the East Coast for folks trying to get to work. Businesses trying to ship goods, travelers trying to get to see their families. And by the way, as a U.S. Senator, I commuted for 36 years. Every single solitary day the Senate was in session, I traveled over a million one hundred thousand miles on Amtrak. And I can tell you where all the delays were. And I can tell you where all the delays. See, there's his cracking on the jokes. There's his big moment. There's his big Joe moment. He cracked a joke. They weren't all in Wilmington, Delaware. So I know it to be a fact. If this line shuts down for just one day, it will cost the American economy $100 million a day in cost. The current Hudson River Rail Tunnel can be a major choke point. A critical link to New York Penn Station, the busiest train station in all of America. This tunnel opened for business in 1910, 113 years ago. And the structure is literally deteriorating. The roof is leaking, the floor is sinking. Plus, it was badly damaged by Superstorm Standy. I was the vice president. I came and walked through this tunnel. You ought to see it. Today, over 10 years later, there's still remnants of seawater in the tunnel eating away at the concrete, the steel, and the electrical components within the tunnel. In 2020, there were over 12,000 minutes in delay in just one year. 12,000 minutes of delay. The United States of America, for God's sake, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? The delays in America, what are we doing? And you think about it. Under the Biden administration, with bootlicker there in charge, how has our transportation system done? I mean, obviously, we're talking about railways here right now, um, but the airways are abhorrent. I mean, it is a displeasure to fly in most cases. This is the United States of America. We know better. We're so much brighter than that. And now we're going to prove it. We're going to rebuild the existing tunnel. But we can't do that until we build a brand new, entirely second, an entirely different and separate tunnel. You can't fix the first one without building the new one. And it's, that tunnel is going to, you're going to run at faster speeds with no interruptions, be running at 100 miles an hour. While the original tunnel is under construction, that will mean fewer delays, less risk and major, of major shutdowns. The new tunnel is going to have two tubes with one track in each tube. So they can keep operating even if one side breaks down. But it's going to be safer, more resilient, more reliable. The biggest rail, the biggest rail line in the United States of America. And to get it done is the first step. We're completing the, the concrete casing under the Hudson Yards that Chuck referenced. I mean, seriously. Seriously. Uh, how much longer does he have? You know, I, I know that the media is kind of laying off about the, the documents now, and you're not hearing it as much. You're hearing the cooperation line. Uh, maybe they have Joe under heel, and they're like, well, maybe we'll let you finish out the four years, and we don't have to embarrass you with this, but let's stop talking about running again, Joe. You're not running again. Which Chuck has been talking and talking and talking and talking and talking about. Hudson Yard sits above 
where the new tunnel will connect to Penn Station. This is a critical step for everything else we're going to do in the Carter and rail period. As you may know, work started in Hudson Yards site in 2013, but stalled due to lack of funding. But thanks to the bi and I emphasize the bipartisan infrastructure law, we now have the money and we're finally going to get it done. When the project is complete, trains will be in and out of New York more quickly, more safely, and with fewer interruptions. This is only one part, though, of the overall gateway program to improve train travel between New York and New Jersey. For example, last year, we also broke ground on the Portal North Bridge, Gov, you and I, in New Jersey. And thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure law, we're rebuilding two other critical bridges, Sawtooth and Docks Bridge, both in North Jersey. All told, this is one of the biggest and most consequential projects in the country. You know, again, he, he's speed talking. But while we're talking about the infrastructure, let's just take it. I need a break from Joe. If you're immersed in the city, East Coast, Jersey City kind of culture, you're accustomed to having to pay to travel. And I mean, you're having to pay to travel. Trains aren't that cheap anymore. Okay, your Metro Pass ain't that cheap. You're paying tolls on every single bridge. You're paying tolls at the tunnels. I'm sure that, you know, whatever um, commercial infrastructure, passenger infrastructure that they plan on passing here is also going to be, you know, hefty and expensive. And especially as what they try to limit the movement of more and more people. And something like this. This is a project that could take close to a decade. This is not small potatoes. This is a big, 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 big project. All right, back to Zombie J. But it's going to take time. It's a multi-billion dollar effort between the states and the federal government. But we finally have the money and we're going to get it done. I promise you, we're going to get it done. <laughs> Folks. We're making similar investments to improve rail up and down the Northeast Carter. Yesterday, I was in Baltimore for a similar announcement of the Baltimore Potomac Tunnel, another critical junction that was built nearly 150 years ago. No changes in 150 years. That's a lie. Obviously, there have been changes and maintenance within that uh, corridor over the last 150 years. Just uh, ridiculous. I walked through that sucker, too. No, you think I'm joking. I'm not. You think I'm joking. I'm not. No fooling. You better believe it, Buster Brown. Man, this has been, when you, when you commute on a highway every single day, and that was my highway, you get interested in when things are told and things are falling apart. And over the next two years, we're going to hit milestones of other rail projects, including the East River, East River Tunnel. He can't talk. He can't talk. He can't talk. Gets caught up in a sentence, he can barely speak it. Here in New York, the Susquehanna Bridge in Maryland, the Connecticut River Bridge. And we're not stopping at all. This was rail. Earlier this month, I was in Kentucky with the Republican leader, spending over a billion dollars on the Brent Spence Bridge over the Ohio and Kentucky River they've been trying to fix for years and years. We're repairing the original bridge and building an entirely new one parallel to it. You know, over that bridge today, which keeps breaking down, breaking trucks down. carry roughly two.
billion dollars worth of freight goods every single day across that bridge now from Florida to Canada. The bridge was built 60 years ago. Folks have been talking about fixing it for decades, but now we're going to get it done. And there's more that we're doing. For example, up in the Bronx, we're redeveloping the, the Hunts Point Terminal uh, Produce Market. The Hunts Point Terminal Produce Market in the Bronx. You know, Joe Biden's so, so concerned with produce markets, especially in the Bronx, you know, because he was raised in a black church. I think it was in the Bronx. I mean, you might as well just say whatever, because uh, look at that sour old man face. You know, I, I love <laughs> I love it when people try to tell me, you know, that this isn't Joe Biden or, you know, some kind of like. It, it clone or this is Joe. This is it. Watch the stuff at length. They've rolled Joe out and, and he's talking, boy. Oh, he's talking barely. Could barely speak. Which handles 60% of New York's fruits and vegetables. 60%. We're expanding refrigerated warehouse space, installing charging stations for electric vehicles oh. so delivery trucks can get in and out faster and recharge and return on for the return trip. Yeah, because there's so many uh, trucks that are uh, running on electric power. No, that's your plan for infrastructure sustainability, all right, that would create actual instability in our food markets on purpose. Manufactured scarcity on purpose. On Staten Island, we're upgrading the port at the Kill, at Arthur Kill terminal site to turn it into a state-of-the-art assembly site for wind turbines. By the way, just one blade of these new wind turbines is 102 yards long, 102 yards long. The ships carrying this equipment are huge, so we're dredging a 35-foot basin so the ships can reach the site. And with the support of the governor of New Jersey, we're reconstituting nearly three miles of highway that's now structurally obsolete, leading to the port of Camden. And we're repairing Point Pleasant Canal and Cape May Canal, critical waterways for two communities that are gems in the New Jersey shore. And one of the things, one of the things about the infrastructure law that I'm most excited about is we're doing all of this with all American workers, all American workers. And by the way, and all of it, all of it is union labor, all of it. Every freaking one, union labor. You all think I'm kidding, I'm not. You don't think I'm kidding, I'm not. Union labor. You don't think I'm kidding, I'm not. I mean, again, the guy could just say whatever. And if you believe that this infrastructure nonsense is not globalism nonsense, and if you believe that Every single aspect of this is going to be American workers and American interests. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Joe doesn't know what's in that bill at all. At all. He Again, he's he doesn't know what the gems of the uh, New Jersey coastline are. He has no idea. None. One of the things I'm most excited, American workers, baby. Everybody loves to play that American workers card. Just draw it right down on that card. American workers. 
Yesterday in Baltimore, I announced that we're building that project under the new project labor agreement. We're making sure there's one is one of these projects as well here. The agreement to contractors and unions to put in place an agreement before construction begins to ensure major projects are handled with well-trained, highly skilled union workers that resolve disputes ahead of time, ensuring safer work sites, avoiding disruptions and work stoppages that can cause expensive and extensive delays down the line. So we're not just, it's not just good for workers, it's good for taxpayers too. Amtrak and the building trades that agreed to the project labor agreement will be in place across the major rail construction projects up and down, up and down the Northeast Corridor. Again, listen to him, man. Speeding, speeding through what he's trying to say. And the Hudson River Tunnel Project will lead to 72,000 good playing jobs. Good playing jobs. They're good playing. Good playing jobs. It's lifetime. Laborers, electricians, carpenters, cement masons, iron workers, operating engineers, and more. Good jobs you can raise a family on. And most don't require a college degree, but they do require four years of apprenticeships, training programs. It's one of the reasons why the United States has the best trained workers in the world. It's a lie. Uh, that's not a hyperbole. We do. No, no, that's a lie. And it is hyperbole. No, no, no. I mean, again, that's ridiculous. Everybody thinks you want to join the IBW, just show up. You're going to an electrician. After four years, an apprenticeship, maybe. So you guys are the best in the world. You really are. That's this project and others like it across the country are all about, making investments in America's cities and towns, in America's heartlands, in the rural areas as well. So so this, the Hudson Tunnel is about the heartland and rural areas as well. No, it's not. No, it's not, Joe. I mean, even the person who's writing these speeches, it's such nonsense layered on top of nonsense layered on top of nonsense. It's about making things here in America again. It's about good jobs. It's about the dignity of work. My dad used to say, Joey, this God's truth, say, Joey, jobs about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about being able to turn and look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. And he meant it. It's about respect and self-worth. And folks, it's about damn time. For too long, we've talked about asserting American leadership once again, building the best economy in the world. But to have the best economy in the world, you have to have the best infrastructure in the world. People don't build factories where they're not rail stations, where they're not ports, where they're not access to highways. They don't attract businesses unless you have the best infrastructure to get products to market, to create thousands of good paying jobs. For most of the last century, our economy led the world by a significant margin. Because we invested in our people, we invested in ourselves, we invested in research and development in America. The truth of the matter is that we flourished in many cases, not just because of hard work and not just because our Constitution Bill of Rights allowed for individual ownership, right, and some kind of capitalism, but also we have to look at our military power we have to look at the infrastructure of our intelligence networks and exploiting resources across the world. That's just part of it. But I, I would say the less regulation, 
and, and the lower taxes for actual small businesses are when this economy thrives the most. And again, under Trump, the economy was thriving. Now, how much of that was manufactured, especially during the COVID-1984 nightmare, where all of a sudden, you know, they're shutting down the stock market, shutting down the stock market in real time, and somehow the stock market was going through the roof. And all of a sudden, crypto was going through the roof, and everybody had money because everybody was just getting checks. There's all sorts of fraud going on. Fraud on top of fraud on top of fraud. But at the end of the day, what was it? It was a consolidation of power and resources. So those at the top benefited the most no matter what. No matter what small level frauds were committed, because most of those small level frauds were nothing in comparison to the purposeful devastation of the middle class of people that did own their own businesses and had their own infrastructure. That's the reality. That is the reality. All right, we're going to do just, a, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to do the full seven minutes of Joe here. It's been pretty painful. I told you it was going to be. I mean, he's got the little stink guy going on. Um, but I need to do this um, every once in a while just, just to see where he's at, just to see where the whole show is at. We used to invest two-tenths of one percent, two, I mean, two percent of our GDP in research and development. That's what we did 40 years ago. It's down to 0.7 percent. Along the way, we stopped. We used to rank number one in the world in research and development. Now we rank number nine. The United States is number nine. China's number eight. Now they rank number two. Folks, we risk losing the edge as a nation, and China and the rest of the world are catching up for decades. The backbone of America has been the middle class, and it's been hollowed out. Hollowed out on purpose. Like, when he gets angry there, it's just, it just like, again, what is he exactly angry about? This guy's been pro-China, pro-globalization. He's very much part.